Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and co-parents of all ages, this podcast is for you. Introducing in the center ring, the amicable divorce expert, Judith Weigel. We have today on our program, Jennifer Warren Medwin. Jennifer is a certified divorce coach. She works with the Supreme Court of Florida in family mediation. She's a certified marital mediator and author. The title of her book, which we're going to talk about today, is Strategies and Tips from a Divorce Coach, A Roadmap to Move Forward. Jennifer, thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you for inviting me. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Ah, so am I, because your book is really great, and I I love it. So we will get started. I want to ask you a quick question, though, and that is, I've not heard yet, so I always love new things, a certified marital mediator. Is that from the state of Florida that you have that certification? How does that work? No, it's not. It's actually a relatively new form of mediation whereby People who are contemplating divorce and want to put it on the bookshelf can work with a marital mediator, probably for a period of about six months, to work on saving the marriage, right? And I can, once we, you know, we go through the certain skills, so on and so forth, and I can write up a memorandum of understanding. So if the decision at the end is, look, divorce is really the best decision for both of us. It's really the healthiest decision. Then they can each take all the things that we have agreed upon. Let's say we worked on a, you know, ideas for a parenting plan. Um, They can take it to their respective attorneys and they haven't lost time. They can, they can talk about what they came to agreement on and they can move forward. What's so valuable is even if the decision is to divorce, we have worked on communication skills, conflict management strategies, you know, and so it makes the divorce process that much easier. And on the flip side, marital mediations had, you know, great number of individuals and couples who have managed to work on the relationship and figure out what really was causing the breakdown and and they managed to work through it and they're even stronger for it. Okay, so with that, can you go into marital mediation and still come out of it that divorce is the best choice, but then because you've gone through marital mediation and I assume talked about the issues that Mm -hmm. needed to be dealt with, moving forward in the divorce becomes easier. And certainly if there's co-parenting, that mm-hmm. becomes easier because the groundwork has been laid in a very positive way. Right, right. And I should say this, you know, I'm not an attorney, so I don't handle any of the legal issues. But as a mediator, I can write up a memorandum of understanding and then they go to their respective attorneys if divorce is the answer. And in terms of co-parenting, yes, if you learn more effective ways of communicating and you understand the basic premise of co-parenting, which is it's not about you, it's about what's in the best interest of your child or children, then the process becomes much more manageable, right? Because you can separate the emotional side from the business side of parenting. Yes. So 
I talk about the emotional divorce preceding the legal divorce, and you do in your own way in your book. Mm -hmm. Also, I just, let's spend one more minute on communication. I find myself on a daily basis telling people who call initially potential clients that I only handle amicable divorces as a paralegal, legal document preparation company, and a mediator. And I said, the thing that defines amicable versus uh, litigious Mm -hmm. is the ability to communicate. The reason why you hire attorneys is because you can't communicate with each other. If you can communicate You don't have to agree initially. Then you use a mediator to help you work out a compromise. But what is your position on why are attorneys needed? Is it the communication piece? Well, you know, I would say attorneys are needed to guide you through the legal process of dissolving your marriage. And I would say divorce coaches are a wonderful resource to develop the communication and conflict management strategies that can help in parallel or in conjunction with an attorney. You know, I I don't know if you're aware of this, but in 2013, the American Bar Association defined divorce coaching as the fourth element of the divorce process. So who are the normal cast of characters? If you are not necessarily, I mean, there are always alternative dispute resolution processes, right? But If you have an attorney, most often you have a financial specialist, whether it's a CDFA or forensic accountant or so on and so forth. A lot of times you have a therapist. And since 2013, many people are using divorce coaches for them to be partners, sounding boards, and a way of them moving through their divorce more efficiently and productively. You know... Yeah, good. I'm sorry. You said something and I want and and I heard a statistic the other day and I thought it was really important and, and people don't really break it down this way. So in communication, there are three important elements, right? Your tone of voice, your body language, and the words you use. What do you think is the most important of those three? Shoot. Tone of voice. That's right. By 55%, tone of voice is the most important part. And, you know, many of us, when we are overwhelmed or extremely emotional, we don't think about our our tone of voice. And it can either increase or decrease conflict. What's the next most important? Well, I would say words, not body language, because everybody has their own unique way of being in their body and sitting. Actually, it's body language. Body language is the second. Thirty-five percent. Words are five percent. Right. And see, I disagree. So with with wherever the statistic came from, I now disagree, because as a mediator as well. I always have said the words we use and the tone of voice we choose or the opposite, you know, the tone of voice we use and the words we choose um, make or break the communication. Body language, I, I mean, who am I to disagree with a body of experts, but I still do. Do you agree with body language versus the words we choose along with the tone of voice? 
the reason I agree with it is it's, it all has to do with presentation, right? You can, you can be upset, but if you allow your body language to be open and you keep a steady, neutral voice, people tend to hear things differently. It's when the words come out strong and your body language, your arms are crossed, you're, you're pointing, your, your eyebrows are raised and you're, you're setting a tone for defense. And I think that, you know, listen, all of us, all human beings have a desire to be heard and understood, right? And we're so busy you know, trying when we're listening to defend ourselves as opposed to really trying to committing ourselves to, to hearing and understanding that if you're more mindful of your body language and your tone of voice, you will see how conflict can decrease. Okay, so you work in the court system to do a lot of mediation. What percentage of your work is court mediation versus private mediation? So I don't do court mediation at all. Okay, but it's in your byline. I Well, right here. yes, I am a Supreme Court family mediator, but I don't, I, I really, I primarily work with clients who are having difficulty in their marriage and wanting to work on improving it and not divorcing. I don't really mediate family law cases. Ah. And I okay, will tell then you I'm that. And then I'm completely confused. Well. How did this book get written about divorce? Because I'm a divorce coach. And it's strategies and tips from a divorce coach. Ah, okay, okay. You don't mediate divorce, you coach divorce. You mediate people who are having a difficult time staying married. Get it, completely get it. Yes. Okay, all right, all right. Yes. Well, at least at least we're clear, at least I'm clear now. Okay, well, that's good. That 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 is good. So then that is why we have a slight difference in words, body language, and tone of voice in divorce mediation. I've done a gamut of divorce mediations from people who can't help yelling at each other. That's just the way it is. So I have to separate them so we can get any work done to people who are quite nice to one another. They just want a professional overseeing the decisions they're making in the settlement to make sure they've dotted their I's and crossed their T's. And so that's why I said to you, yes, I definitely think it's um, words and tone of voice without a doubt, but the body language you described, I don't see on a daily basis in mediation. I do see a more relaxed way of presenting themselves. So that's great. Good yeah. for you. Well, you're also in the amicable process, right? Yes. And now, let me just talk about that a second. Just because they sign up half the time because it's money. It's what's affordable to them. Mm -hmm. It's not because, you know, they, they can communicate well. I literally have to teach them communication skills in yeah. the mediation. Mm -hmm. you know, we're just not taught as a society communication skills. Even us, we are customers of products and services, right? 
We all are, yes. So when we then are annoyed or aggravated or feel we've bought something that hasn't been provided correctly, you know, we become our own client and we have to remember, ah, the tone of voice, the words, and now Mm -hmm. the body language, if we do it in person, um, will make or break our success in getting our own conflict resolved. Mm-hmm. That we- is very true. I mean, and also, you know, realizing, you know, how we can be our own best client is, you know, being proactive instead of reactive, right? And really setting the, you know, the the tone of pausing and really thinking about what is my objective, right? People, people don't do that. Um, and you and I are mindful of that. That's not to say that we do it all the time, <laughs> for no, sure. No, but when we can remember, when I can remember, honestly, it makes everything so much better. An mm-hmm. old friend of mine years ago said, Judy, here's a successful way of getting some or all of what you want when there is an issue Uh you as a customer. And he said, just be nice. Just Mm -hmm. be nice to the people and they will forget whatever rules they're supposed to remember in the customer service experience and they will move heaven and earth to accommodate you if you're nice. Because why? Very few people are nice. People call up and are mad. They're aggravated. They didn't get what they wanted. No, just be nice. It works every time. Yeah. You know, there's a formula that I teach my clients um, and it is really helpful. And if you can remember it, which it's very easy, it could be the pause. And that is the formula is E plus R equals O. You know that? No, E plus R. I, I know ear. What are you talking okay, about? Okay, ear. The ear statements. Love the ear statements. No, E plus R equals O. So E is the event right? What, whatever is upsetting you. R is how you react and respond. And O is the outcome. Where is your only source of control? In what element? How, how you communicate. Right. And how you react and respond. Yeah. So in even thinking, taking a second to bring up that formula in your mind, you're pausing enough to recenter yourself to ask yourself, where do I have the control? And that is in how I react and respond. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I teach co-parenting on Thursday nights to high conflict individuals, well, high conflict parents. And we talk about the formula and really, you know, you don't get through conflict by blaming or deflecting. You get through conflict by accepting where you are and figuring out how you're going to move forward, how you're going to take those brave bites forward. And part of that is owning how you are communicating your needs, your wants, your desires, your dislikes, all of it in a productive and efficient manner. Okay, so I just love everything you just you said. Can you give us a little example? Can you do a little role play of what you're talking about? Sure, with an E plus R equals O. Yeah, in so far as co-parenting is concerned, let's sure, use that. As sure. So, um, so here's the example. Um, 
dad wants to have the son an additional night because there is a football game and he really thinks it would be a great opportunity for them to have some bonding time. Okay. Mom does not want the child to come back on Monday. She wants the child to come back on Sunday. Okay. Now, where is the where is her control? It's all in how she reacts and responds. So a healthy response might be, or a more effective response was, you know, that sounds great. I know the game will end at around 10. I would appreciate instead of X child sleeping over at your house, you drop the child at my house. That way things will be easier and more settled in the morning because school is closer to me. The outcome then is much healthier, right? She used some flexible thinking. She was able to manage her emotions. And ultimately, who's the the beneficiary of all that? Billy. The child. child. Right. The child, right? And and that's what co-parenting is about. It's about doing what is in the best interest of the child, not what is in your best interest or the best, your best interest of the other parent. And that's an example of taking, using your response and, and effectively managing it to reach a compromise that works for everyone. That was an excellent example and done so well. That, that was a good learning, uh, learning example. So what, okay. How do I ask this question? In a, using that same situation, because mm-hmm. it's kind of normal, you know, That's, yes. things like that come up. Mm-hmm. If you had mom, if you were a divorce coach to mom and mom was kind of stuck on control mm-hmm. and just didn't want anything to change, how would you address that? Because control, whether we know it or not, is a lot of the underlying reason why we're not flexible, right? Control, would, revenge. Ah. Uh, yes. Yes. That's where control, yeah. So the need to control comes from fill in the blank. Well, so the need to control comes from unmanaged core emotions. So core emotions are things like feeling hurt, frustrated, misunderstood, sad, unhappy. Those are core emotions. And when those are not addressed, control takes over as one of the, you know, behaviors that you might see. So if mom was stuck in her own anger, we would work on understanding, developing an understanding of what her triggers are and developing an understanding that it's not about her anger towards her ex. It's about what can she do that's in the best interest of her child? Is there anything wrong with her child going to the football game? If she were talking to somebody else, a friend, would she say, 
you know, this might be a great experience for my child. It's not necessarily what I want. I want him to him or her to be home at the normal time. And in talking through it, people do develop an understanding that, wait, I'm stuck in my own way. This is not about, this is not about me. I'm using this about me. I want to work on how I can have flexible thinking, how I can do self-check-ins, how I can move forward so that I'm dealing with my own anger. Because that's really at the core of it, is the anger. That's where I was going to go next. Thank you so much. So as a divorce coach, and I know everything's about moving forward with coaching, therapy is you take a look back, see why things are, and help mm-hmm. them get over it. But divorce coaching is about moving forward. But Jennifer, um, so often people have not resolved the issue for the divorce, mm-hmm. and it becomes the backdrop to the behavior of one or both of the parents. So as a divorce coach, how do you address that? So that's a good question because that type of behavior leads to many costly mistakes, right? Because when we're overwhelmed and when we're reactive, we don't do our best thinking. So Really, in divorce coaching, we work really hard on separating the emotional side from the business side of divorce, right? And when people are stuck in revenge, in anger, in blaming, they don't, they don't make the most constructive choices. So we work on certain skills on how to identify your triggers, skills on helping you communicate more effectively so that if you are angry, which many people are, how can you create a communication that's going to be heard? So oftentimes what I do is I use the Biff response it from Bill Eddy. I, I love that you brought this up. Thank I you. love, I love Bill Eddy. Um, I think that he, I, I have learned so many things from him, but the Biff response is creating a response that's brief, informative, firm, and friendly. So we, I work on with my clients and I always say to them, no more than five sentences. And we talk about what makes a Biff statement so successful, right? And part of it goes back to what I was saying to you earlier, that everyone wants to feel acknowledged and everyone wants to feel heard. And there are no need, there's no need for all these elaborate details and adjectives that only act as a fuel to the fire. So um, though we teach certain skills like that. We teach, this, we teach skills like ear statements, also, Bill Eddy, how do you respond to someone with empathy, attention, and respect? And here's the thing, you know, knowledge is power. And it's, it, anger is, is, a, is a normal reaction to feeling hurt or betrayed or a, minute, a list of other emotions. And then it's a choice, Judith. And then it, you need to decide, am I going to be a victim or a creator of this situation? Okay. And 
starting to empower yourself by learning these tools, having a divorce coach partner with you so that you can focus on the business and learn the effective tools and strategies to work through your emotions is so beneficial. And at the end of the day, then you use each professional for what you're hiring them for. You're using the attorney to help you through the legal process. You're using your financial specialist to help you through the business side of your divorce. You're using a divorce coach to help you move forward and learn these tools and strategies and educate you on the process. So ultimately, you end up saving money and you use your time more efficiently. Without a doubt, without a doubt, you know, um, just in talking to so many people in this podcast for three and a half years, I've noticed that we all think in a very similar way. Anybody who would come on this program would want an amicable situation. So we all think in a very, very similar way. And I would like to address, first of all, everything she just said is in her book. This is why you must get the book. But um, what we're going to talk about is also in the book, and that is what you have been saying. There's the emotional side of divorce, and then there's the business side. The business side is the legal side. Within the legal side are all the decisions, the financial decisions, the co-parenting, custody, support decisions that you have to make. And as a divorce coach, if you have found that people have already started the filing before they hired you, but it's a very emotionally rocky situation, very raw and just difficult getting through the emotions daily, what do you do? Do you ask them to, if they're, and, and of course, if they're, if they have attorneys, which quite often people do in a situation like that, do you ever suggest to pause the legal side of the divorce so the emotions can be taken care of? You know, that's an excellent question. I just want to clarify one thing um, that divorce coaches come in in all different stages of divorce. They come in the should I, shouldn't I stage? Should I divorce, shouldn't I divorce? All the way through post-divorce. So I will say that the majority of clients who come in have already lawyered up, which is one of the sort of objectives where we are working to change as coaches and that, you know, there are all different ways of getting divorced. Okay. People think that they have to lawyer up so quickly. It's not, it's not the case. And when I get clients in the should I, shouldn't I stage, and I can help them put together their professional team based on what they desire and the type of personality they're looking for in an attorney and, and so on and so forth it ends up so much more amicable, right? And the process is so much easier. Like going back to your question, yes, there are times where the clients are so emotional that we do suggest they take a pause. And by the way, um, I am also in many mediations as a coach and there have been times where I've asked to have a break because once your client becomes so emotional, they are not thinking rationally and they are in no position to be making decisions that are probably, if not the most important decisions they ever will make, they, they rate very high up there, right? 
And so it's really important that we sort of work through all of the emotions that, that are triggering you. That's not to say that you won't have emotions maybe forever because we, you know, this, it's a challenging process and you learn to accept what is, but there are some residual emotions that, that, that often come yet we can work through the triggers and work through self-help strategies to guide them so that they can at least focus on the business of divorce. Right. Right. And it is a business. I mean, it's, it's so fascinating to me that of course, when we all get married, it's for emotional reasons. You're in love. That's Mm -hmm. the only way you can think putting a prenup into that kind of shocks you into a different reality because all of a sudden this is a business element, so to speak, Mm -hmm. that's introduced into this nice, warm, fuzzy feeling of being in love. When you get divorced, you are hurt emotionally quite often Mm -hmm. and you must heal. And you've addressed this beautifully in the book. You must heal and as you just said, the healing does, it's not linear right. and there's no real end point to it. You will be challenged in your healing after the divorce at different trigger points that may come up. And so just get ready for that. Therein is the emotional roller coaster that you referenced as well um, in your book. And, and, it's so great that you address that. So great that people address this because people don't know. And if one person wants the divorce and has done some of the work before they even say to the other spouse, I want a divorce, well, they want the other spouse to just jump right to it. Well, why can't they get over it? And you know what? There is a statistic on that. The average person who's asking for the divorce has been thinking about it for four years. <gasps> wow. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's a lot. That's a long time. That is a long time. It is a long time. And so the person who was not aware or wasn't planning it per se, you know, there is a catch up. Yeah. There is a catch up. And, and the other partner is in a different emotional state. Because they have already gone through a lot of the grieving process, although, like you said beautifully, it's not linear. Yeah. Um, So that is, you know, that is a very challenging part. And I will say that the majority of my clients come in and they are very emotional. And I actually like to, to, to see their emotions because I'm a firm believer in whatever is not expressed is suppressed. And that's not healthy either. You know, that's, that's, you know, physiologically, you're, you're only acting as your own worst enemy. Right. And I'll just, I'll do a little role play from a mediation in a situation like you just uh, explained, the emotions haven't really come to surface and, and, and been addressed. So that person in a divorce mediation will say, I, I, I don't care. I'll sign anything. I just want to get it over with. Fine. You want to take the cat, take the cat. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, that happens. 
that is the worst thing you can do is sign off and make decisions in that type of emotional state because those suppressed emotions are going to come out at some point. Now, once the divorce is final, now you can breathe and think. And what you don't want to do, and let's talk about this, is have regrets that you just signed anything to get it over with because the pain was so severe. Mm-hmm. And the truth of the matter is, there are no winners in divorce, right? And people become so position based that they 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 believe they're going to come out as a winner, and 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 it's it's just the wrong mindset to have. And in my book, I, I talk about the many mistakes, common mistakes that that people make, and that is really because their emotions are driving the process as opposed to we talk about penthouse thinking and basement thinking you know basement thinking is not the logical side of you it's when you let your emotions take over and um there's so much of that taking place that there that logic is not being effectively um implemented so what you just said about that, is that filed in any of these three sections in the book, the most common mistakes to avoid in divorce mm-hmm. versus states of mind during the divorce process and paths you might experience during the dissolution of your marriage? What you just said is probably embodied to some degree in all of those areas, right? Yes, yes. And, and and the goal of the last two chapters that you just brought up is for people to understand that they're not alone. Whatever emotion they're experiencing, many people have experienced it. And sometimes when you are going through a divorce, you feel so isolated, you feel so alone, you feel vulnerable. And I really wanted people to understand that so many people experience the past, the emotions that they are experiencing. And it's important to look for resources, right? And a divorce coach is one of those resources. It's an objective you know, resource that, you know, someone who has knowledge of the divorce process, knowledge of the emotions that are associated with it, and knowledge of the skills and strategies to help move you forward. I always say to my clients, you know, to help you take those brave bites forward. And I don't use baby steps because babies are not empowered. And everything I do in my practice is helping individuals move forward and feel empowered. And um Actually, the Brave Bites is from Lady Gaga. I heard an amazing interview with her. She, She suffers from a lot of neurological pain and she she was she was telling in the in the interview, she was discussing how she gets out of bed every day. And she says, I do it one brave bite at a time. Wow. And I really love that. She, she, you know, I, I didn't realize that, you know, she had this, this illness and just the way she describes it, how she has to really encourage herself from deep in her soul. And it really resonated with me. Um, and so I use it now all the time in my practice. 
brave bites forward. All right. So with that, she she puts on a very physical show. So if we are to compare this excellent example to the emotional experience Mm -hmm. uh, of going through divorce, so one brave bite at a time, you said? Mm -hmm. One brave bite at a time. So now she's out of bed. So she Mm -hmm. took her brave bite. She's out of bed. What what happens between that point and going on stage with this physical job that she has? How how is she able to do that? Or once you take these brave bites and you're up and functioning, are you then in a different position to to be physical? Well, we know that the hardest step is always the first step, getting yourself into it. And then it's mind over matter. Mindset matters. It really does. Are you going to have an open mindset or a fixed mindset? And I think, you know, with, I mean, I can't speak for her. You know, I just listened to the podcast, but I would venture to say that she has a very strong mindset right? She has grit. She has um, individual power. And let's be truthful. It's not always been easy for her. And so when we look at these challenges in our lives, there are opportunities, right? There are messages in every mess. And they are a chapter. They're not our whole story. And if we can develop these tools and strategies to get through this chapter, you will always have, you'll take those tools and strategies with you always, right? And yeah, divorce is hard, but it's also a mindset. There are opportunities in every mess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Love it. I actually love that you said that. Hold on a minute. Most common mistakes to avoid in divorce. Can you name a couple? Using your attorney as your emotional partner, mm. meaning you're calling your attorney and you're saying you're you're you know Charlie didn't bring home Sarah at seven o'clock. He brought her home at seven thirty, and this is not okay. And I da, 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 and you go back and forth, and you leave a five page you know five um, page email. No, you know it could be said in one line. Um, so using using your your attorney as uh, for your emotional crutch, like you also said, throwing in the towel, like you've just had enough. You just want to get it over with, you know, um, allowing your emotions to, to guide you instead of really taking the time to use logic. Here's the biggest mistake. The biggest mistake I see with my clients before I meet them, if they have already started the process is they give their power over to their professionals. I can't say this enough. If you are getting divorced, you are the boss of your process. Your professionals work for you. They will not be with you after settlement. 
unless there's a reason, you know, you have to come back. But let's just, they are not going to be with you. You know your life and what your wants and desires are better than anybody else. That have a seat at the table. Okay. And make sure that, you know, some of the things I teach my clients are like, make sure you tell your attorney you want to be CC'd on all correspondence. And they'll say, well, I, I, why, I, why do I need to do it? You need to see what is going on. You need to see what they're, they're CCing the opposing counsel, what they're CCing the forensic accountants. You're paying the bill. This is your process, not their process. And so if, I mean, I know I mentioned many, but that is the biggest mistake, not owning your process. Yes. And you also said knowledge is power earlier in, in this mm-hmm. conversation. And I couldn't agree with you more. And I, I think this is so wonderful that you brought this up because it's so easy to blame the attorneys for doing things that you didn't know were going on. So no, you don't know the legal process, but you do know what conversation is like. And from one who has worked in family law for 10 years, there are attorneys who will absolutely take advantage of you financially because you're emotional and they are low on morals and ethics. And I overheard a conversation at one of the Bar Association evening seminars that I attended a few years ago, two attorneys talking to one another. Uh, They weren't in the same firm, but they apparently knew each other for a while. And you could just tell they, well, it was obvious they had been in practice for a while. They were older. So one attorney says to the other, I got a great new case in today. That means lots of money on the table. I got a great new case in today. And uh, then she went on to say, and I just heard from opposing counsel. So she's representing the wife. Opposing counsel is representing the husband. Opposing counsel says to her, and she's relating the story, we're going to get ready. We're going to paper you to death. Yeah, that happened. So there's a lot of money. Uh, obviously husband's going to be paying the bills. And so this female attorney knew that. Uh, We're going to paper you to death, meaning we're going to file things we don't even have to file. We're going to wear your client down to a nub, emotionally exhausting her so that she will then be probably putty in our hands and, and my client will get his way. And and, and inferring, by the way, you're going to be making a lot of money in the process. And that was that. So there was nothing said. And I I said to her, because we're sitting three inches from each other at these tiny tables, I said, I'm curious. I'm so sorry to mean to, you know, uh, eavesdrop, but we're sitting right in front of one another. I'm curious, how did you respond to opposing counsel? And she said, what are you talking about? I said, well, it required a response, right? You're representing and you're supposed to be doing your best at representing and and, and they're paying the bill, I assume, and, and they're going to paper you to death. Um, what was your response? She said, well, what should I have said? I said, well, anything from this is completely unethical. I can't make money at my client's expense. I wouldn't be representing my client properly. You would be filing frivolous motions and for hearings and whatnot, tying up the court's time so that they can't hear cases that are absolutely necessary to be heard. Any of that 
would have been a, 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 a response. And she just remained silent. And so I said to her, I'm non-attorney. I'm a mediator and a legal document preparation company. And this is why I have a job. Because what you are doing is so wrong. And this happens more than people realize. Have you encountered that as well? Have you watched that, Jennifer? I, I have. I have. And, you know, again, this is another reason to have a divorce coach. Someone who can partner with you, who understands the process, who can help you get all of your, you know, help you organize for the process. I call it the four quadrants of divorce, you know, organ the organizational piece, the emotional piece, the legal piece, and the financial piece. And helping you to gauge where the process is and brainstorm and help you prepare as you move through this process. Because, like you said, there are people, not only clients who want to paper their their spouse to death, and there are also attorneys who will file a lot of frivolous motions like the one we be, we began with where my client is my client got something because she wasn't cooking every night, right? her Her husband filed a motion with the attorney. It was filed in court that it, her status quo wasn't being, his status quo wasn't being upheld. Why? Because she wasn't cooking for him every night. This happened recently. I mean, it is, it is shocking that something like that would even go to court. Right. And so this happened right before we hit record. And so what Jennifer's talking about is just this. A husband files a motion in court. Say what the motion was again. That she wasn't adhering, that his soon-to-be ex-wife was not adhering to the status quo. And status quo being your job is to cook for me. Your job is to do housework. Your job is that, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. understanding thing. Yeah, I'm in shock that certain things are allowed to be filed. In any yeah. state, it doesn't matter. No. I, it's mind-boggling. It's it just is mind-boggling. mind-boggling. And yeah. to your other point, you, the client is in control. You may not think you're in control. You kind of feel out of control mm-hmm. emotionally and financially. What's this going to cost? Oh my God, I can't wrap my head around this. Education is power. Mm-hmm. So not only do you have to talk to your attorney and have them explain things, go on Google. I kiddingly talk about Google Law School. But on Google, you know, depending on what state you're in, you can mm-hmm. use the Google search bar to ask a question and then remember to put your state in there so the laws of your state will come up. And I think this is an excellent way of you learning about the law in in family law in your state Mm -hmm. so that you can be a more educated client. And then you have your attorney fill in the blanks with things you don't understand. And that, you know, again, going in organized, thinking about what questions you have, what you don't understand, what you might want and need, and having a list before you go in. Because what ends up happening, I often go with my clients to their attorney's office, but what I hear when clients go to the attorney's office, and it's natural, they get very nervous. Well, what happens when you get nervous? You can't think clearly. So 
be prepared prior to going into your session. So you almost have an outline of what you want to accomplish and what you need to ask. This is, I'm curious now. I love that you go into the attorney meeting with your client. Mm-hmm. How do they respond to you, the most attorneys? Well, most attorneys, I've, I've, I've worked with them before. Initially, oh. I mean, I've been doing this a long time. Initially, it, it with, was with apprehension. I mean, you know, listen, divorce coaches, they don't have the same, priv- they don't have privilege like attorney, client privilege. However, um, more and more, you're, you're going to see attorneys bringing in in-house divorce coaching, just like they, they hire accountants and the under their guise so that they have that that privilege. We don't have that yet. Um we we have confidentiality and a code of ethics and we don't take notes. Divorce coaches don't take notes. So and we're we're working very much from where you are and how to move you forward. We're not we're not advisors, so we're not we're not we don't have to take notes. So that that limits our liability for getting a subpoena because we have many clients. I don't remember what we deal with in session because it's very much forward focused, right? And so in that way, and in fact, I'm writing an article um, for the January Florida Bar Commentator about this whole concept of lack of privilege, but yet confidentiality and how we, we maneuver through the system. Wow, that's excellent. I have so enjoyed talking with you today. I love the way you think. I love the way you communicate. And I really did enjoy reading this book. And, you know, it's funny, Jennifer, I read a lot of books. You know, if I'm going to be interviewing an author, I always ask for the book to be sent. Let me read it so that I I can come um, better to the interview process. And I'm always pleasantly surprised that with all of us using basically the same concepts, these Mm. books are very different. Mm. from each other because everybody brings their own personality to it their own way of describing things to it and and they everybody has a slightly unique way of working mm-hmm. so i am so very happy that we got in touch that i was able to learn more about you read your book and then share you with the world i i appreciate this thank you so much no, thank you and thank you for all the good work you're doing it's making a difference i hope so yeah. so we are going to have the show notes but for the purposes of you communicating your contact information best way for people to get in touch with you so i have a website seekingempowerment.com. And that has all of my contact information. And anyone who's interested in reading the book, it's available on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. Wonderful. And again, the title of the book is Strategies and Tips from a Divorce Coach, A Roadmap to Move Forward uh, by Jennifer Warren Medwin. Thank you so much, Jennifer. I've appreciated our time together. Thank you very much. And thank all of you for listening. I appreciate that as well. I hope this was helpful. I can't imagine it wouldn't be. If you have any ideas for me, you can always 
contact me through email, judith at theamicabledivorceexpert.com through my website of the same name. And as always, have an amicable day. That's our show for today. Thank you for joining us. Be good to yourselves, be kind to your spouse, and cherish your children above all else.